Hello and welcome to yet another special episode of Close Talking. I'm one of your co-hosts, Connor McNamara-Stratton. And I'm your other co-host, Jack Rossiter-Munley. And it's day three here in Haiku Week. Day three, which is a great day. And you know why it's a great day? Because we're talking about one of Close Talking's all-time favorite things, which is the break. So yesterday in our episode about syllables, we were talking about how haiku does not have to subscribe to the strict five, seven, five, five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, five syllables in the third line rules, which got me thinking. So here's the thing. Like, I think part of the reason that this captures people's imagination and it's part of the reason that haiku is so widely taught is because this is such a quick and firm rule to teach that definitively says to somebody, you are writing a haiku. It is this number of syllables and this number of lines. Again, more on the lines later. How do you know what a haiku is if you don't have this rule? It strikes me that you're going to get into like when the Supreme Court decided Jacob Ellis v. Ohio and we're just like obscenity. Well, I hesitate to define it but i know it when i see it like do you just know a haiku when you see it what makes it a haiku at that point yeah that's a very good question and i don't really have a great answer and i don't think many people do but there are some definitions i think that i found that um i think account a little better for the variability while still capturing the the short essence of the haiku which i think is still you know, which the 575 aspires to. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this I'm getting from this great book that I picked up actually at hashtag AWP19 uh, from the lovely AWP that was in Portland this year, um, which was actually the first time that me and Jack were in the same room in a long time. I picked up this book published by New Directions Press. Uh, it's called On Haiku. Um, it's by Hiroki Sato, and he's like one of the sort of most preeminent translators of haiku. Uh, and it's a wonderful book, very digressive. He's got a lot of hot takes, uh, some cold takes, very thorough takes, and uh, it's pretty excellent. But he sort of is talking about this, you know, what is a haiku, if not the 575. Um, and this, there are kind of two definitions that he came up with that he kind of liked. One is a one-line poem, and he really loves the one line. We're going to get to that. He says, a one-line poem with two main descriptive elements that can't be divided into lines. That's what he likes. Other definitions that are good. Um, the haiku is composed of two, three, or four short phrases. However, the length of each such short phrase can't be regulated or restricted. Um, The Haiku Society of America has some opinions about it, which Sato does not really like, but at any rate, they define it as an unrhymed Japanese poem recording the essence of a moment keenly perceived in which nature is linked to human nature. It usually consists of 17 onji, um, which is something similar to syllables. So with that, hard to say, but 
But I think one thing that is for sure is that there is a kind of, you know, we talk a lot about turns. And I think this is what's true about haiku is that there is always a kind of turn. And the beauty of a haiku, I think, is often that there's this, it's like a one, the haiku is at once kind of one thought, but then there's this weird turn that's in the middle of the one thought. Um, and that kind of tension between this two and one, but still being one, um, at least when I read haiku, that's kind of like the first place that I start to um, sort of get at it. And I know, Jack, that one of your favorite haiku, I think, has that kind of going on. It does. And I think part of what the turn, and this might just be by necessity because the poem is so short, but it feels to me like the turn that happens in a haiku almost always reflects directly back at what the first two lines are saying. It's not a turn where you get to something that's completely different. It's something that is intended to reframe what just happened almost every time. Um, and yes, one of my favorite haiku, which is a, a fairly well-known one, is one by Kobayashi Isa, which is, don't worry, spiders, I keep house casually. Which I love the sentiment of, and any poem that starts off by addressing our eight-legged brethren who are just out there trying to keep the insect populations down, I appreciate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah. I like that one. That's such a good one. Um, and, and at least for me, when I'm identifying something as a haiku, my own personal definition has always been a short poem with a big turn, basically. Yeah. And this concept of a cutting word or a cutting phrase that really at some point in the poem severs what's been happening and changes the direction is has always been key to the haiku. But I think more so than any syllable counting or line counting is essential to the nature of the form and also more so than the somewhat pedantic description from the haiku society <laughs> about nature and such yeah yeah no that's really true and yeah so that that isa haiku you know don't worry spiders is kind of like the first line in in a in one translation of it um which does have five syllables but then i keep house casually um, and in this translation, casually is kind of the third line. You know, those clearly don't have, that's like three syllables and then three syllables. So it's much shorter than that five, seven, five. Yet the turn and and that, um, you know, the phrase um, cutting word that you use, that's really important. Um, there's, a, there's a word for that, that cutting word, um, which is often, uh, I think it's kireji. Um, and that sort of, yeah. Um, and it, it feels like casually is kind of maybe that word actually at the end, would you say? Um, because there's this kind of joke. It's like he's trying to consoling uh, the spiders. And then he's talking about how it keeps house. But it's casually so they don't have to worry because he doesn't really clean up his house that much. So he's not going to get rid of the spiders. Um, but it's this kind of thing where the 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 moment that makes it the kind of joke doesn't happen until casually comes what i think also happens with the injection of casually is that it turns it into 
a reflection on the nature of the person writing the speaker. Um, and it makes it a statement about who they are as a person. And so it starts off, don't worry spiders, I keep house. That could go any number of directions. It could continue to just console the spiders or like I keep house for you. I keep house to make you safe or something. It could be more, I mean, those would be way too direct as the actual end. But by saying I keep house casually, it turns into this philosophical statement from the speaker about how uh, they want to exist in the world and what kind of environment they want to create for themselves where maybe they don't want spiders in their home, but they'd prefer that the spiders be at ease in their space as well than worry about trying to keep a super neat and tidy house, which I really like. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then, you know, that short one, I cough and I'm still alone. You know, the break there happens after I cough. Um, and I and it's interesting because I feel like it works in that the and I'm still alone suggests that the the action of whatever came before it might help alleviate aloneness. And yet immediately you're like, what would coughing have to do with it kind of thing um it's like it's sort of a very disjunctive set of tones where it's like i cough it's the most mundane thing you could ever describe about yourself except for i breathe maybe is slightly more mundane um and then i'm still alone is like so weighted you know with something existential despair isolation sadness longing uh, maybe it's a cough to get the attention of someone that doesn't work i don't know but um even though it doesn't have that 575 the the pairing and that kind of like the one sentence i cough and am still alone but with that turn embedded in it seems to make the kind of haiku happen absolutely Spotting Brooklyn blossoms from the plains, a snowless white as snow. The air is cold with pine, or is it juniper? And does it matter? A raven pines for the needle to move on the sun's seething hot reply. A long walk and a quick stop. Cold chocolate spring. No one else likes sweet tang, chocolate chips, orange sherbet, solitude. The man on the train says Romulus killed his brother, a long way from 6 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us for this third episode in our special haiku week here on Close Talking. Tomorrow we're going to be back with an episode about lineation in haiku, which we are very excited about. If you have enjoyed the episodes that we're putting out this week, or if you've enjoyed any of our other episodes in our usual read the poem, talk about the poem, read the poem again format, it would mean the world to us if you would hop over to the iTunes store and give us a rating and review, because that is definitely the best way to help more people find this podcast. If you have thoughts on this episode, any of the other episodes from this series, or any of our regular episodes, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us via email at close talking poetry at gmail.com 
or on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Close Talking. You can find me at Jack Rossiter Munn, and you can find Connor at Hot Sauce Boxed. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking or on our newly active Instagram account at close talking poetry. See you tomorrow.